Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. (laughs) Hi, today I am uh, so happy to introduce my friend David Haig from Santa Clarita. Is that right? Santa Clarita. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. I met David, I think, around college. He's a little bit younger. And he uh, pastors this huge, wonderful church down in Southern California. David, would you, would you just begin by uh, telling us a little bit about your family, introducing yourself to my audience, and then also your ministry? And then we get to talk about the wonderful topic of legacy. Sounds good. Thanks, Sue. Well, first of all, it's really exciting to be on your show well, or podcast, whatever you call it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I married a girl that you knew before I did, Sherilyn, yep. and we have been married 43 years now. Wow. And it, uh, it's been great. We never escaped the friend zone. We've been friends and better friends and better, better, better friends and lovers oh. and husband and wife. And it's been great. We have three kids, all of whom love Christ. Uh, they all went to that same school that you and I graduated from. Wow. They, uh, they all married believers. Hmm. They're all in their church, very active, and incredibly, they still love their parents. Wonderful. So uh, we're excited about that. They're scattered all over. One's in Idaho, one's in San Jose, and one's in Pasadena. And we have two beautiful granddaughters. Wonderful. We have more, but uh, those two are pretty good, and maybe yeah. that's all God will give us. If so, we're good. Uh, we've been in Santa Clarita, Sherilyn and I. Uh, we're in our 12th year. It'll be 12 years in February, we came to Grace Baptist Church. I also teach at the Master's University here in town, teaching uh, the preaching class, as well as the, the theology courses. So hmm. we love what we do. We love who we do it with. And uh, God has really been great to us. Wow. Wow. What is your favorite part about being a pastor? I think it's, I know what it is. It's uh, being able to see the Word of God actually transform lives especially say that that again say that again being able to see the word of god used Uh by the spirit of god do the work of god Mm. to transform people's lives and Mm. so we see those who have uh, found themselves in despair uh, depression you know substance abuse or it could just be uh, you know financial or emotional problems that they have and they don't know where to turn, and they turn to Jesus. And mm-hmm. if they put his word to work in their lives, the Spirit of God makes them new creatures, just like Paul promised mm-hmm. in 2 Corinthians 5. Mm-hmm. Um, w- this podcast, as you know, is about legacy. And uh, I don't mean it's something like after you die, you're going to be known for such and such. But I mean that you're living your legacy. What legacy are you living right now that you know that God has called you to? Yeah, it's interesting. The older that we get... Uh, we become more and more like who we are, someone has said. Wow. And um, I have, over the years, you know, wondered why I was on this earth. I now know. I'm here to bring the Word of God to bear on people's lives, first on my life and then on theirs. For me, legacy is just another word for influence. And so I think there are different stages of it. When we had kids, you know, we were trying to influence them for Christ. Uh, both in the way we taught them and, the, and hopefully the way we modeled life before them. But they're all gone now, so we're in a different sphere. Now it's, uh, now it's more our neighbors and the people in our church 
And we have different means of doing that. Probably the, the greatest mean of, means of doing it is our lives. Uh, I was just looking at Philippians 1.27, where Paul exhorts the Philippian church to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Oh, my goodness. That's an everyday 24-7 thing. And a lifetime worthy thing. A lifetime thing, mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we, we do it first with our lives. Uh, but I also get to do it teaching and writing, teaching at the university, uh, preaching sermons, counseling, and hallway conversations with our staff. So uh, that's, I, I think that's why I'm on this earth right here. Uh, when did you, when you say that, I know now I didn't before why I was on this earth. Was there a certain um, event or can you think of an illustration as when you go, wow, I think I really know why I'm here? I think it's incremental. I think as every young man, I looked to be successful. You know, so many of us who went to our college said, we're going to be the next John MacArthur. And so you, you start trying to emulate what other people are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wanted to be a leader and I wanted to be a speaker and I wanted to be a counselor, all of which are good things. And I wanted to be an organizational guru and I wanted to be a writer. And pretty soon you realize, you know what, what I really am uh, I've already narrowed it down. I'm not a great manager. I manage my own life. Um, my wife manages the money. She's better at it. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a great administrator. I'm too in the moment. Uh -huh. uh, I am also quite, uh, I'm just weird, Sue. <laughs> I am, on one hand, really silly. Uh -huh. I love silly jokes. I love silly movies. I love Hallmark movies. On the other yeah. hand, I'm a complete book nerd. Uh -huh. On my vacation, I spent every morning working through the Greek text of 1 Corinthians for 30 days. Of course you did. I read <laughs> Calvin's Institutes for fun for the yeah. third time. So sometimes uh -huh. I just don't fit in. But here's where I fit in. I study, I preach, I teach, I write, and I mentor those whom God has gifted to study and teach and preach and write to bring his word to bear on people's lives. That's who I am. Mm -hmm. And I am so thankful to be in a position where I have around me guys who do everything else better than I can. Mm -hmm. When you preach in your church, though, you're not surrounded by people who are going to go preach the gospel to someone else. You didn't mean that. You meant in the university you setting. our staff. Yeah. Our oh, staff. your staff. I, mm -hmm. I've surrounded myself with young guys who one day will be doing what I'm doing. Many of them, most of them better than I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And I, I seem to have a, a peculiar way of going walks with these guys, take them on trips. They come into my office and they ask questions. And I think that's really kind of where I'm at at my best. Mm -hmm. Or at the university where I'm teaching, you know, the preaching class to guys who are going to go on to seminary and just being able to let them know, you know, what it's like to be a pastor, what it's like to preach and to enjoy it. Uh, I share that love. We call it, I call it mentoring now in the old days when we were in college, they call it discipleship. Right. So I think just coming alongside someone and sharing life with them is really what you're talking about in the hallway, uh, taking walks really in, I mean, had someone for lunch today on my front porch and, and she said, so how can I be a good wife? She's getting married in two months. Like, oh, well, let me tell you about the last fight I had with my husband. You know, and this talk about how God showed me something in his word that really had nothing to do with marriage, but had everything to do with life and me being a better wife. So that was so fun. 
And I'll just have to say that on another podcast because I want to talk about you. What um, challenges perhaps or obstacles have you have to overcome? I mean, when people hear such an accomplished pastor that you are, they might think, well, I can never be David. And you, of course, don't want them to be David. Um, I don't like it when people go, well, I'm not Sue. I go, well, it's a good thing. You know, one of me is enough of me. But what obstacles have you had to overcome that have made you a better living liver of this legacy that you love? Well, I think, you know, like I said, the older I am, the more I look back and say, wow, there were some things that really were holding me back. I think for anybody like myself, who's up in front of thousands of people every weekend, you know, pride is just a constant obstacle, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I, I think that it is so necessary for us to understand how we're gifted and how we're not. I think yes. another obstacle was, uh, I guess it's pride, but, but you can, you can get waylaid by a desire to be, be loved by everybody. Mm-hmm. People uh, pleasing, we call that. Yeah. Well, what I found out is, you know, there's an interesting question I've, always, I've asked for a long time. Why did God choose the term sheep to, <laughs> uh, display, to, you know, to define his people? And because sheep, uh, you know, I worked with sheep a little bit when I was in Spokane, Washington, working on farms. And they're, they're not great models of what we should be <laughs> they're very self-focused yeah, yeah. they're very oh. you know bring me the, the grass bring me water protect me and if if they don't like where they are they'll just take off and mm-hmm. as a pastor i've learned i've had to overcome the fact that sheep don't really love shepherds they use shepherds mm-hmm. so what i've learned is that i've got to i've got to take people who are by nature sheep and turn them into servants because mm-hmm. servants are master focused. Servants understand that their their success is based on the master's mission being accomplished through them. Hmm. So as we, and that's one of the great obstacles that I've had to overcome is that for a long time, I just wanted everybody to love me. Hmm. And I, I said, what's not to love? You know, I, I just was amazed when people didn't. <laughs> I'm no longer amazed. Okay. <laughs> I, I just understand that there are some things that a person in my position, as long as they're offended by the message and not the messenger, mm-hmm. I'm okay. Third thing I think I've had to overcome is just innate laziness. Hmm. I think inside we're all lazy. Uh, I, I would all, you know, we'd all rather sleep an extra hour. And I've had to overcome that and learn to be a morning person and a night person. Um, yeah. I don't know if so that's the, what you're looking so for. The, yeah, I think I am looking for that. But I would like, um, you don't just say, I'm going to become a morning person, or do you? So I would like, how did you overcome these three things? I think they're ongoing. I mean, I don't think that you wake up one day and say, I'm no longer proud, and I no longer struggle with uh, people pleasing, or I don't get my feelings hurt anymore. I mean, I get my feelings hurt less. I think we're yeah. in progress. Yeah. But do you, can you give any um, practical tips for someone who's listening to say, gosh, I have trouble with pride, or I have trouble with um laziness so can you give us something maybe one for each yeah i think you know i'm an i'm a broken record but i really think the spirit of god uses the word of god to do the work of god in people's lives and so i i i have found that bringing my life to the mri of scripture every morning i started looking forward to it that helped me get up Hmm. i get up and i think man i'm up i got up at five o'clock this morning not everybody can do that, but I made coffee. I sat in my place and I read Second Samuel where Absalom dies. And I read Isaiah, <laughs> so sad. Hezekiah, 
what the Hezekiah story. And then I, I'm reading First Corinthians every day because that's what I'm preaching through. Mm -hmm. And then I just finished uh, or just read the first chapter of Titus. Mm -hmm. And in all those ways, God showed me some things in Titus that, man, Dave, I got to watch out for. Mm -hmm. But I got the, the thing that helped me, that helped me not be lazy to get up and do things is my love for my wife because I'm a better man when I'm doing my spiritual disciplines mm -hmm. and also my love for Christ and his people. See, I have this theory. And in fact, I wrote a great book about it. Great in quotes <laughs> called the obedience option that says the only way to overcome a passion for sin or laziness or pride is to pursue and have an, a greater passion for righteousness. Mm -hmm. So, it, I mean, it's easy. If you're a proud person, it's it's going to set you back. Mm -hmm. If you really love Christ, your pride is going to keep you from doing all you can to, as you say, champion him, you know, advertise him, uh, be a representative of transformational gospel. So an older, I think that's beautiful. And an older, wiser man at our church, Liam Maxudin, told me once, and I didn't really get it, and I'm still getting it, but he said, well, the whole reason for sin is that I don't love God enough. Right. And that, that's what I thought of because you love God and you love your wife enough to not love yourself so that you do these other things. Does well, that mean no one could ever sleep in? No, that's not what you're saying. Well, you know, I don't know about you, but at our age, uh, <laughs> I can't sleep in anymore. <laughs> There's, I just live there. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but what about pride? How do you deal with that? Because I, I remember when we needed a new worship pastor, pastor, and I was in the choir, and I prayed specifically that our new worship pastor would be humble, because I was a singer at the time, and you're on the stage, yeah. and when we have staging gifts, like you do, and like I speak as well, you can just kind of get a little full of yourself when people say, hey, that was really good. And you go, yeah. And I remember Tim saying, uh, my pastor saying, well, when the compliments come, you say thank you. And then you just let them keep flying by <laughs> so that they don't get stuck on your heart and you think that you're too all that and more. How do you deal with that? Well, yeah, I've, it's a couple of things. Alistair Begg is a friend and he once told me, look, compliments are like perfume. A little is nice, but you don't want to drink it. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've been through this long enough to know that I've adopted this idea of five loaves and, and two fish from the little boy's lunch. And I tell our people here in our music department and our communications people, our graphics people, all the creatives and, and all the other guys on our preaching team, look, on your best day, I'll just say it to you, Sue, on your best day as a musician, as a wife, whatever, it's just five loaves and two fish. It might not even be five. Mm -hmm. Some of us are two loaf people. <laughs> unless, unless God takes what we give and multiplies the mm -hmm. benefit of it, mm -hmm. nothing good happens. Mm -hmm. I know. Thing I, go go ahead. ahead. No, no. Well, I, the second I would thing just, is I, I used to think a lot about legacy and not the way you're talking about it, which is every day. But about, okay, what are people going to say at my funeral? What are people going to, you know, I better write books. I better do this. Hmm. And then I ran into a guy named Nicholas von Zinzendorf. <laughs> Count Nicholas von Zinzendorf. He was the leader of the Moravian Brethren. He was, uh, they said he was the one who led John Wesley to Christ after wow. Wesley had been here in what we call the state of Georgia as a missionary. Wow. So 
Zinzendorf is known for a lot of things, but one of the things he said was, and I have this on my Facebook and I have it other places. He said, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Wow. That, that goes upstream against the culture of our mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. But what he really meant was, look, do everything today for the gospel and die. And believe me, if you do that, you won't be forgotten, but Christ will be remembered primarily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's really been my passion. I want Christ to be glorified either by death or by life, as Paul said, in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, I love what Oswald Chambers says something about that, that we would leave the room and that the aroma of Christ would still be in the room. Yeah, You know, and I'm all into aroma, like I like essential oils and I like making homemade bread with the bread machine and the house smells so good, but I don't want people to leave my house and think, ah, oh, Sue's so wonderful. I want them to think Jesus is wonderful and only right. God, I feel like only God can do that through us. It's like you said, the spirit of God does the work. Now you, you said a three point thing and I only wrote down two. So the word, the spirit of God, spirit uses, of the God word of uses the word of God to do the work of God in people's lives. That's a Hagism. That's something I've been saying and trying to live by. I want the word to work in my life. Mm -hmm. I want to bring it to bear on other people's lives so the mm -hmm. spirit can use it. I think of my preaching as a tool. I put it out there, but the spirit is the one who uses it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, so, and, we, and we need to think that way or we think we're pretty great because it's God um, who does it. That's the other side of it. Uh, there for a long time i i was preaching four four times a weekend and my goal was to have four really good sermons right and i now hardly ever did and i would feel very sad saturday night at 5 30 i didn't do well and just carried over and and then it hit me that this isn't really about me hmm. i need to relax i need to prep well i need to pray hot i need to let go and let the spirit of god do what he does because a lot of times my wife would, when I thought I was really terrible, she'd say, oh, no, that was really good. And when I thought I hit it out of the park, she'd say, well, so -so. It, was, it was okay. <laughs> so what I realized is you give the Lord the loaves and fish. Mm. He multiplies the benefit. And even if it doesn't look and feel like it was great, he can make it great mm. in somebody's life. How have you sensed the transformation of the word of God in your life? And we'll close with this. Well, I think bottom line, the more I read it, the more I love it. And, you know, I, I'm in a privileged position. I tell our people, you, you know, I get paid to be good. You got to be good for nothing. Um, but I get paid to study God's word. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that it's my favorite thing to do. Be, first, because of what it does to my life. Mm. Um you know, I, I was looking at 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21 this morning again, because it's, it's been my text for the year. It's about a house that has all these different dishes. Some are made of gold and some are made of wood. But he says, every dish can be honorable and useful to the master if it will cleanse itself of that which is dishonorable. Mm -hmm. So my, my whole word for this year was striving to be useful. Mm -hmm. I just want to be useful. And so when I think in those terms, how the Bible affects me first, that's what makes me useful. If I'm useful, God will use it in the lives of other people. Mm -hmm. That's my goal. 
Well, great. Do you have a closing word of wisdom that I didn't cover yet? Because I know you read over the questions in advance it, that I missed. I didn't want you to, I didn't want to cut you off too soon. Well, I just want to, I want to offer to people a, a three-part discipleship formula from 2 Timothy 2.22. It's all twos. That's so us men can remember it. <laughs> the first thing Paul says is you got to run away from some things. You got to flee youthful lusts. And yet I have found largely because of some legalism in my background, that saying no to sin never gets rid of the desire to sin. Mm. You've got to replace it. And that's why Paul says, flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness. So that's two. That's number two. That's number two. Okay. Flee youthful lusts, pursue righteousness. And then the third thing is with those who call upon God from a pure heart. Mm. So I believe sanctification is an individual pursuit, but it's a team sport. That's where the church, that's where marriage comes in, that's where family comes in, that's where friendships come in. And if we would just invest in our own sanctification, God will use us. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I was just writing an article about what to tell your adult children, which it's too late for me, but I'm hoping I uh, taught them these things. I sent the article to the girls and I said, and if you don't, if I didn't teach you, you have my phone number. But one is that seeking God is an individual responsibility and seeking is a verb. So it's something that you do, but don't try to do it by yourself. Right. You need to do it Absolutely. alongside of other people. Well, Dave, this has been a delight and I will put all your books and information in the show notes and I hope we can do it again sometime. Thank you Thanks, so much. Thanks, Appreciate right. it. What a blessing. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.